Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights with John Keating. We talked a while back, and he's the baseball card collector, but soccer enthusiast in his watching habits. My hat's off to that. Again, soccer with so many leagues, it can be a full-time job, I think, keeping track of soccer all over the world. Thank you, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, CompC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, and then Panini, Upper Deck, and Top. So welcome, John. Uh, you go first on these dueling questions. You'll ask me a question, then I'll ask you something. No holds barred. I'm not sure what you're going to ask me, and I know you don't know what I'm going to ask you. But welcome to the show, and hit me with your best shot. All right, Dr. Beckett, when did you become desensitized to your name, your brand? When did it? When did you stop turning your head every time you heard the, the name Beckett? And has that ever happened? Well, uh, I, I still hear it. It's hard to not hear your own name. So it's not tuned out. And it feels strange if I'm at a show and I'm not necessarily incognito with a mask on. But when you hear your name, you just want to know, <laughs> is your name being expressed as a verb, as an adverb, as an adjective, as a noun, or as an expletive? Generally, it's favorable. And I enjoy that. I, I take it as a compliment. And I take it as a compliment for the whole team. We had a great team. I had a, a lot of success as an individual, but I had way more success when the team and, and the name lives on. A lot of times what they're talking about, John, is not me personally. It's the company. And I'm no longer at the company. I'm friends, obviously, and I want them to do well. But I've I, I sold my interest 16 years ago now. Seems like a long. Time. I still hear my name. I don't freak out when I hear it. If that's what you're <laughs> asking, I just enjoy. Hopefully, I want my company to do the right stuff and and that the brand would maintain integrity. So I have a quick follow up though. With that, was there ever from the get go from the late 70s into the 80s? Was there ever any thought of using a different name for uh, the uh, product, the brand? Not on my part. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now, again, if I'd have been a Smith or a Jones or something like that, that'd be different, but it's my name. And one of the things is you once you use your own name, you're really going to want it to stand up to the screen right. of, of doing the right thing. So I feel like that was a good decision. What it means, though, is that the new owners of the company kind of have the commercial rights to my name. Huh. My first question for you, you mentioned something about XG, expected goals in soccer. And soccer is different than baseball because in baseball, you come up to bat. And you have your chance and the XG or the, the batting average or the slugging percentages, what's going to happen? But in soccer, work with me on this. It's not just the expected goal based on the shot and where it's taken from. It's the ability to get the shot. As Wayne Gretzky says, or Yogi Berra says, you miss 100%, or Michael Jordan says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So in soccer, is that factored in some way that the ability to get the shot, that you can't be shut down by a great defender, you're going to get the shot and you're going to make a, a reasonable percentage of them, again, based on the XG factor. So am I on to something there? Yeah, there's other variables and, and there's substats there too, right? Dribbles, uh, dribble through, passes through, uh, which means passing past the last line of defenders previous to the goalie. But you have to, yeah, I'm not sure whether it's a descriptive or a predictive stat. I still don't know what which one it is because you're trying to predict uh, your likelihood of a goal, but you're going off of obviously past data. There's other stats like hitting the woodwork and all that stuff, but the sport was revolutionized in the last couple of years. Traditionally, the long ball was the thing. There was a, a train of thought that if anything more than three passes, your chances of scoring a goal goes down. Well, that's changed, right? Tiki-taka football, where you just keep passing. The teams now with the most possession and the most passes completed are the ones that are scoring the most goals. It's not all about just getting it to the other team's box, pounding it in. So the game XG is, and it's also XA, which is expected assists as well, which is tied to goals. But again, it's part of that ball through, enough passes, all that stuff, breaking down the defense like you would in a basketball game. Okay. Fair enough. Your turn again. Explain to me 
your attraction to wrestling is. You're an analytical guy, right? There is no analytics in wrestling other than viewership. Explain to me what your attraction to wrestling is. That is the kindest way to say that wrestling is <laughs> like the other quote-unquote sports. It's entertainment. And uh, when I was a little kid, I watched wrestling in the uh, Pittsburgh area mainly. I was a Pirate fan and a wrestling fan. And I've had some fun with Eric Norton about that. It's just... I think everybody ought to have a playful side. I'm a serious guy in so many respects. <laughs> some of these uh, wrestlers are undefeated, again, quote, unquote, and, and real personalities. It's What I take from it is that every sport ought to be marketing their sport, and wrestling certainly does it. Now, in the other sports, they don't necessarily have heels, <laughs> guys that delight in being bad. But So I've just had some fun with it. I do think some of the cards that I collected back in the day have gone up pretty outrageously. When you look at their Q score or some kind of a recognition of popularity and being known in the uh, popular culture, Hulk Hogan's right up there. Right. Rock yep. is right up there. But I don't think you've seen a wrestling magazine by Beckett or a wrestling price guide by Beckett, but they're collectible cards and it's a followable sport and a lot of fun. Okay. In basketball, a lot of the thought now is don't buy big men. And the reasoning goes because they don't sell well, but I don't think that's the reason it's because the game has changed. We're talking about soccer. In order to uh, score a goal, you have to have the ball. It can be passed to you. In basketball, if you're a big guy and you're down in the low post and the offense doesn't work through you, then you don't have the ball a lot. It's like a three and D player. They're not highly esteemed in card values either because they don't have the ball. They're support players. But the guy that can dribble through everybody, the point guard, the, the Luka Doncic, who probably also can play soccer, the guys that have the ball a lot, LeBron James, same thing. Even Zion Williamson is now more of a point forward. So Zion Williamson otherwise could be a, a power forward. But Nicola Joel Embiid, those guys are not the typical immobile big guys. Yep. Yep. They're the offensive. So my point is, in soccer, the guys that are recognized as being great are the ones that really can handle the ball, make the good decisions, and are involved, heavily involved, their usage. And that same thing with basketball. Usually it's a point forward or a point guard or that primary guy you want holding the ball or having the ball at the end of the game. So it's not just big guys. Right. So are there examples in soccer of guys that don't have a lot of ball skills? I'm not talking about goalies, but don't have dribbling and ball skills that are highly esteemed. Yeah, what's interesting about that is a lot of it boils down to tactics, like it would in basketball. One of my teams, my college team, Villanova, they usually play with three or four guards, and they have no big man ever. They won a couple national championships that way in the last five to ten years. Some teams don't play with strikers, and your striker is your guy right up front, supposed to score all the goals. Lewandowski and for Bayern Munich or Ronaldo for uh, Juventus. There's teams that won't play with a, with a striker at all, a number nine. They'll play with a false nine which is somebody like Messi who can score from anywhere and you don't know where he's going to be, but everything goes through him. He's the kind of guy who would rather have an assist than a goal. He's not going to turn down goals. He scored hundreds and hundreds of goals. It all depends on tactics. There's guys that come in like super subs will come in in the 85th minute and they'll be put on when the goal's needed. And they're great for five to 10 minutes because soccer doesn't end at the 90th minute. It, it keeps going until uh, the ref decides to stop. So a guy will come on for five to 10 minutes and he'll head a goal in. There's guys that are head heading specialists. They just head the ball. That's all they do. But as far as just coming out with a goal in their pocket, not a lot of guys can do that. They need to be on the pitch the entire time for the opportunities to come. So you need a follow-up. So, so are you saying that Luka Doncic approaches basketball like a former soccer player in terms of dribbling up the court and and looking for assists, who's in the best position and, and yeah. court awareness? 
Yeah, the only difference, obviously, is you're on a shot clock in the NBA. The soccer team can have the ball as long as they want, so long as nobody takes it away from them. And the best teams seem to have possession the longest. So it's a matter of probing, passing back to your defenders if you have to reset and whatnot. The basketball-soccer correlation, you could say the same about Joel Embiid, who was a frustrated goalkeeper back in Africa, right? Now he's blocking shots in the NBA and shooting three-pointers as well. You have some goalkeepers in England who think they should be taking penalty kicks as well. They think they're the best <laughs> kicker on the team because they're kicking the ball 60, 70, 80 yards each time. Okay, your turn. Yeah, I have a question for somebody like me who strictly and purely collects as a former shop owner and as a uh, collection buyer. And I'm not talking about your business, the Beckett Industries. I'm talking about you as a buyer and, and a shop owner back in the day. How do you decide which cards to keep? Because surely you didn't have every card you ever flipped, right? And uh, turned around. As a collector, I'm under the belief that when I get that card, it's part of my collection. It's not going out the door. How do they do it these days? A card store owner, how do they not keep everything they, they buy? I don't know that it's evolved that much. I think basically in the old days and now both, if you get a card and you have some connection to it, you can feel free to sell it. If you're pretty sure you can get it back, if it's the float of it, that there's enough up around that I'll see this card again, somebody else wants it, they're willing to pay a premium price, I'll sell it. But it's not advisable in this market, and it wasn't 40 years ago either, to sell cards that are rare that you're not sure you're ever going to see again. And what we've learned now in 2020 and 2021 is almost regardless of the price. You think, well, this is a really high price, like you said, with your satchel page. I've doubled my money. You could 10x your money and you sold it. And you think, well, I'll buy it back. You may not be able to buy it back almost at any price. So that's one of my first rules is that if I'm going to sell something, because I have too many cards, I'm trying to have less cards each year. I've said that. I'm going to sell the cards that I'm not going to think, oh, I wish I hadn't sold that, Uh, almost regardless of of the money. So cards that have no meaning, it's not a problem selling them. It's like you experienced, if something has meaning to you and you sell it, then you, you're going to get it sorted. And your page in a six is, it's not impossible, but it'd be way more expensive. That would upset me. So basically I'm more of an opportunistic buyer. You know, I'm looking for things that I think are, if, if it's fully valued, I'm not going to buy it unless it's something I really want. But if it's half price, I'm thinking I might want this for a while, or I might upgrade what I have. And there's a little bit of a ripple effect. I think, John, you're looking for this analytical answer from the analytical guy, and it's not there. Basically, there's some feel to it. I have too many cards. I'm trying to release cards. That's why I like ComC, because I can release cards into ComC that somebody can say, you know, I really want that card. I get to put the price on it. Some of them I can price more fully. Some of them I can make better deals. But I no longer want the card, and I'm not going to regret selling it. That's a good thing to talk about. I want to have a regret-free hobby. (laughs) And hobbies ought to be fun. The fact that they're profitable, they have been profitable, that's a great thing. But a hobby should not make you sad. I know you talk about that. I know you talk about your regrets with the Wagner or the Lodgeway. You can't uh, miss what you never had though, right? You can, but it's not fruitful to to do that. And the other thing is when you sold your satchel page, that money was put into something else. If you sell something, you can't say, I just... I traded in for money. That money represented something you can reinvest, another card or something for your family. And so I see it that way. If there's something, I'd rather have the money than the card. And if I ever did want the card back, I could get it back. But in many cases, some of the cards I've sold, I, I'm never going to see them again or get them I, again. And that's okay because they weren't part of my core. That's why I've made a big deal about the wall is because if I put it on the wall, there's some significance there. And that that ought to be the last stuff that I sell. Right. So it's good. Just last question for me, just a whimsical one, is that how would soccer be better or worse if there were to be a shot clock? (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know if you could do that. First of all, about half the managers would be gone because that's just not how they do things. They're pass-pass. They do little triangles of passing all the way down the pitch. And you would not be able to implement that. I remember when the last NCAA championship without a shot clock, it was Little Villanova versus Big Georgetown and Georgetown couldn't get the ball back. The next year we had a shot clock and it changed the game. There's too many traditionalists in Europe. Okay. And we talk about stats and there's the, the pundits, the fans, and a lot of the managers don't like the way the game is now. I couldn't imagine trying to implement a shot clock because the tactics and, and all the passes and the, the time of possession, they're up in arms already about it. I couldn't see anything like that. They burn, as you may have seen recently at, at Old Trafford in Manchester, they, they'd burn the stadium down if that happened. You do, you do realize that the critics of soccer, and I'm not saying that the critics, many of them are less knowledgeable, but the beauty of the game is in the open field play, I'm sure. Right. Of, but if there were a lot more shots, if there were a shot clock, then the people would like to see more scoring. I'm not sure there would be scoring. There'd be right. a bunch of, bunch of bad shots. <laughs> Well, you can make the net bigger. You can do that. That would happen before shot clock, I guarantee you. So. Well, uh, thanks, John. Love doing questions. I, I knew I'd get some different questions from you. I appreciate that. <laughs> thanks, listeners. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, any of these episodes that you enjoy, give me feedback so I can do more of them. And John, thanks for bringing your love to, of soccer to the podcast. And thanks, listeners. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man of-